Jim Rohn, the late great business philosopher of America, said, We must all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is, discipline weighs ounces, while regret weighs tons. In this episode, we'll look at the ingredients of a disciplined life and what it means to avoid a lifetime of regret. As you will see, we can't avoid pain in life, but we can sure choose it. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We're so glad you took time to join us. We know that you're busy, you have busy schedules, and we prepared a really great podcast for you guys. So as we heard Sebastian open up with a Jim Rohn quote that is so, so good. I absolutely love this Jim Rohn quote. And now we're going to dive deep into self-discipline and regret. Absolutely. And what I wanted to start with this week was a simple and yet efficient way I I often dive in a subject. I use a definition because sometimes we just take words for granted. And I wanted to look at this word, discipline. It's not a sexy word. It's not a word that most people think is so in or cool because discipline is kind of like the opposite of that, right? It's this quiet thing we do when no one's looking. And yet, And yet, it is so crucial to accomplishing anything worthwhile in your life. So, the word discipline means this, to train oneself to do something in a controlled or habitual way. And the word comes from the Middle English and was used in the sense of mortification by scourging oneself. So when I read that, I thought it was very interesting. And it's also via the Old French from the Latin, disciplina, disciplina, which means instruction, knowledge, and from discipulus, which means, obviously the word we're familiar with, disciple. So it's interesting how in the Middle English, the word initially meant mortification by scourging oneself because Jim Rohn refers to it as a pain, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. So obviously scourging oneself, that sounds really painful, doesn't it? 
So there is pain involved in discipline. And yet, if you're a, new, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, well, that's nothing new to you. Because from the scriptures, from, from the Bible, we know that Jesus Christ invites us to some level of pain. Actually invites us to die to ourselves. Liz, if you wanted, uh, I'd like if you could share a couple of verses I had jotted down for our audience. Yeah, so I'll read what the Lord says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. And in Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow me, follow after me, is not worthy of me. So we tend to forget these words oftentimes uh, of our Lord, but the Christian life, the life of the believer, is a life of disciplines, of disciplines, plural, and also of discipline, which requires us to take up our cross and follow him. And the cross, as we know, was back in the day an instrument of torture. And that's what led, that's what, we're familiar with the cross, obviously. We know mm -hmm. that's how our Lord died. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's the kind of like, uh, the side we want to forget about the Christian walk. The Christian walk is a walk where we are required to daily take up our cross and die to ourselves in order to take up what the Lord requires of us. So, in other words, we dying to yourself means dying to your own desires and embracing the desires of God, the desires He had when He made you. So when he made each one of us, he had a special purpose and desire for us. And when you embrace that with your full being, well, you kind of die to other things. And these are not necessarily bad things. These are not necessarily things that you're going to, uh, you won't have any regret if you do that, trust me. But uh, there are things that, especially in the beginning, can be hard. If you're used to I don't know, partying, or if you're used to hanging out with certain people, or if you're used to watching too much TV, well, embracing a life of discipline will mean to slowly die out to these things as you let them go, to embrace your cross daily, which means, you know, maybe getting up earlier to start writing that book, or to start working that business, or to start contacting those clients, or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing, whatever it is that the Lord has very clearly demonstrated you should be doing. So that's what we're called to do. So as disciples of Jesus, we're called to a life of discipline. And in the word discipline, we have the word disciple. Uh, as we saw in older times, discipline meant to mortify oneself. A disciplined life is the normal life of a believer. So if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, this is normal. You're not doing anything extraordinary by being disciplined. And I want to make that clear because a lot of people think that living a disciplined life is doing something absolutely extraordinary. 
No. If you're a believer, you're called to a higher standard of living. And with that higher standard comes a life of discipline. Okay? So we shouldn't shy away from discipline, but we should embrace it the same way our Lord embraced the cross. Okay? As disciples of Christ, discipline is our daily method for bearing fruit. <laughs> okay? Yes, and you know, the Ten Commandments are our guideline, right? So for people that are not saved, just the fact that we're applying the Ten Commandments in our daily walk with God as much as we can to, to be pleasing to Him is going to, you're obviously going to stand out right there because your self discipline in spirituality, in uh, conduct, in um, who you're becoming in Christ. Uh, yeah, simple obedience to the Ten Commandments makes someone stand out in a very strange way in today's world right especially because today's world just shuns them i mean there's so many they're broken left and right these ten commandments and they're t they've been taken out of schools and they've been taken out of uh um, courts and 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 in canada especially where i live it's it's we've become a secular country very much uh so we're not we're not a christian country anymore uh, although we were initially founded on Christian principles, those days are long gone right now. So, a disciplined life, like Jim Rohn said in his quote, will cause you pain. It will cost you if you choose to stand out. It will cost you if you choose to live above average. And as a believer, I believe that is not an option. To desire to live above average, that's our call. That's the call upon our lives. And Liz, you're going to talk to us about the three major currencies of discipline. So discipline is going to cost you, but, but what are the currencies of discipline? Exactly. So number one is time. Becoming who you are supposed to become and achieving what you are called to do will cost you much time. Mm. You will have to sacrifice TV time, leisure time to invest your time in what is important. Amen. So you're you're displacing your time in different things that matter. So like they always say, right? Everybody has 24 hours in a day. Mm. Um, and why are some people successful and other people are not? Well, it's all about how they decide to, to use focus the their time. It, are they doing something that's helping them towards their goal? Are they, you know, doing their rule of five, for example, in that day? Are they taking time to do personal development, to get closer to God? Um, you know, we all have that amount of time, but we know the difference. Those that, you know, want to get to their goals will say, you know what? It, I do like a certain TV show, but today I didn't, you know, do enough of what I'm supposed to do. So I'm going to end with some personal development or do whatever it is I didn't finish so that I can stay on task for that day and you know everything else that doesn't really matter uh, takes the back seat mm. so time is very very important and you'll notice that those that don't care about personal development and those that are around you and your friends and family their time is mostly focused on TV uh, doing their nine-to-five job and a lot of their hours and hours a week are consumed by entertainment. And yeah. so that's not bringing them closer to their goals and they're miserable in the result of it. But if you talk to them about change, 
about applying certain changes to better their lives. Oh, no, no, I could never do that. Mm. I could never like miss those shows. And yeah. oh my gosh, like how do you do it? That's so boring. And because they, they haven't done it and they're not driven like we are, right? So you have to expect that, that when you decide to make those decisions on how you focus your time, it will affect your family. It will affect people around you. And you're going to have to stand firm in that to know that if you don't do these things, you won't be successful in your goals. Mm. And like the song says, everybody's working for the weekend, right? Everybody wants to have that leisure time. Everybody wants to get rid of work so they can have fun, right? But uh, those who understand uh, the value of discipline will use their time to better themselves, better their circumstances, and that's going to require sacrificing on the quote-unquote fun stuff maybe yes number two is effort so a disciplined life is always accompanied by effort you will need to work if you want to avoid regret in your life so a life of ease now will guarantee regret later i always tell my kids if you do what is easy your life will be hard if you do what is hard your life will be easy exactly and that's a lesson that you know, we've we've repeated to Jason and to because he's the oldest and to our kids regularly because kids tend to say, oh, well, that's boring or oh, that's so hard. Like, why do I have to do that? It's so hard, you know. And so we, we teach them at a young age this principle because it, it's going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. So we have to remember that, you know, a couple of years of sacrifice, of effort, uh, putting your your focus and your time in the right things will eventually you know have a compound effect and give you the results you need to have a life that you're looking for instead of doing 40 years of you know whatever it is that you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing that's not bringing you closer to your goals so the first currency of discipline is time the second currency of discipline is effort and the third currency of discipline is an actual currency money so whatever you may be trying to accomplish, chances are it will cost you money. You will have to be willing to put your wallet where your mouth is. You will have to invest your resources in the kingdom if you want to reap a harvest from the kingdom. Yes, it does take money to make money. The trick is about investing it where it will bring the highest return. Most of the time, money invested in your own personal development brings a great return. A lot of people I've noticed, okay, we're coaches, so we notice that a lot because we talk to a lot of people. They are not willing to spend their hard-earned money on their own personal development. They're so hesitant to buy audiobooks, trainings, to invest in a conference that, that's going to be close to their home, to, to, to attend a leadership conference, uh, to, to buy the, the right books that are going to help them to reach the next level, to, to change their thinking. They're going to be willing to invest money in the new concert shows, new mo concert shows movies coming out, pizza, entertainment. restaurant, entertainment, going out with friends, going to the mall to buy a new pair of shoes. But man... Just, when, when it comes to investing in themselves to change their thoughts and habits, they don't want to spend a dime usually. Yeah, I've talked to people that prefer buying a Celine Dion concert ticket, which costs quite a bit, 
they prefer wasting a few hundred dollars on that instead of you know bettering themselves with a certain course and putting in the time to help themselves to grow and become better and to change their mindset and mm. all that it's like oh that's hard that's boring that's like why would i do that when it's so much more fun to just go and be entertained so much easier yeah it's so much easier and more fun right let's be honest it's more fun to be entertained but not but really they don't, you when know, you start per, on a personal growth journey your books your personal growth books and seminar they become your entertainment because you develop a taste for it <laughs> and you grow and you see your transformation you see the the fruit of it and it encourages you to to persist and continue so if you want a life of discipline if that is the pain you choose it's going to cost you in three currencies it's going to cost you time it's going to cost you effort and it's going to cost you yes money and i've talked to a lot of young entrepreneurs a lot of uh, young mil millennials and the idea is you know i want to invest as as least possible to have such a high return i want to be a millionaire and i want to spend like no money like i want to get other people to invest in me and i want to you know start this business and get everybody to invest in my ideas but I'm not willing to put any skin in the game. Yeah. So I'm gonna be doing this and doing this and running and running on this hamster wheel, thinking I'm actually going somewhere and I'm, I'm actually going nowhere. And that's why get rich quick schemes actually make money to those who put them out there. Right. Because there's, there's so many people who want a lot for little. They want incredible results for no effort, no money, uh, yeah. you know, a small investment in time, whatever. It, it, you know, the reality of it is it's very opposite to what we're kind of sold online. Oftentimes we, we see these ads or these gurus or these YouTube ads. And, hey, you want to you, you invest only five minutes a day and, and, and reap 5000 a month? Here's how I did it. And there's so many of these things out there. And you know what? 95% of them don't work. So don't don't spend your time in those things. Understand that if you want to go higher in life, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to invest a heck of a lot in yourself. And you know, I know for a lot of you this might be discouraging because some of you are very tight or maybe even in debt. But you know, you have to start where you're at. So yeah. if if you have a small budget, then you use that small budget. You. You work with what you have. There's a lot of books out there. Yeah. They cost peanuts. There's exactly. a lot of free content out there on YouTube that can help you on your personal development journey. And, um, you know, there's also, as your mind changes and as it expands and you start thinking bigger, you start seeing how you can use even the smallest opportunities that you have in front of you to make them bigger and to make them work for you so yeah. that you can start growing um as a person and, and growing your income so um i hear that because i i want to mention this is very important because that's the first thing i hear oh well i'm in debt i have like i'm broke i i don't have this i don't have that and yet the same person will find out that they had a rear um you know sleeping somewhere and will unlock it and will use it to buy crap for their house to make it nicer instead of you know taking that money and saying okay now's my chance yeah. now i have to invest in myself because i know the return is going to be greater or, later or they'll tell you they're broke for a certain seminar you recommend 
And the next month, they they booked a trip to Cuba. And you're like, what? Exactly. <laughs> where, so where did that money come from? It's all about priorities, right? So a lot of people say they're broke, but they're not really broke. They think they're broke, but their mindset is broke. That's exactly. what's broken. It, that's what's broken. It's not it's not their wallets. Their most of the time, it's their mindset. That's absolutely true. And you know, even John Maxwell, uh, he was once talking about when he got started in personal development, personal growth. He said, "I didn't have money to invest in a in a coach at the time." He says, "So my my best mentors in the beginning were books. Yeah, books that change your life." And I, and in my own personal life, I've had the same. Um, experience uh, some books absolutely served as mentors because guess what they're written by those same people that you would want to pay thousands of dollars so they're kind of like their best ideas distilled in a 250 page book so if you don't want to take uh, 20 bucks and invest on yourself for that one book well there's a big problem with your mindset there and speaking of books I like what John Maxwell said about the price to pay in his book Put your dream to the test. Ten questions to help you see it and seize it. Here's what he said about the discipline required to achieve your dream. He said quite a few great uh, one-liners there, so I'm going to just go down that list. The dream is free, but the journey isn't. The price must be paid sooner than you think. The price will be higher than you expect. And the price must be paid more than once. <laughs> and finally, it is possible to pay too much for your dream. So, so a lot of people out there, and we've seen that, and that's a rare occasion. Like 95% of people you, you meet won't want to pay the price to get to their dream. But there's these, these exceptions where the people who are so attached to their dream that they'll lose their marriage in the process or they'll lose they're their extremists. kids. They're, they're, they'll alienate their kids yeah, because they're, they're workaholics or something. There is a price too high to pay for your dream. So that, that's something I want to emphasize there because you don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. And But speaking of price, there will be a price to pay. And that price will be paid, like we mentioned earlier, in any of the three currencies we discussed. Time, effort, or money. And oftentimes in a combination of all three. As you guys know, I wrote a book. The book is called Lead Like a Superhero, What Pop Culture Icons Can Teach Us About Impactful Leadership. Why am I talking about my book? I don't oftentimes talk about my book, but I want to talk about it because there's a chapter in the book that's about Batman. And the chapter has a call to action at the end. So every superhero in the book I talk about brings the lessons to the forefront and everything. But at the end of every superhero I talk about, I give a call to action so that you can emulate the said superhero. And in the chapter on Batman, the call to action is about being disciplined. So I wanted to share with you a few things that, that I found in that book. Well, I found that I wrote, I should say, in that book. And I think you're gonna, you're gonna like this uh, Batman take on <laughs> a little lighter side, I guess you could say. Uh, spoke of Jesus earlier, and I'm talking about Batman, but still, bear with me. You're gonna it's like it. It's a very this. colorful podcast. It's a colorful. You never we're know what we're gonna throw at you. <laughs> we're, we're we're throwing a batarang at you right now, batarang. Okay. So there's a quote in the book by David Campbell: "Discipline is remembering what you want." Isn't that 
good. I, I just love that. Because you, you'll notice that the people who are very, very disciplined, they have a big why. They know exactly what they want and they're like bulldogs. They're, they're not going to let go. They, they, when they bite into it, they're just going to stick with it. Uh, so discipline is remembering what you want. And there's also a part of the book I wanted to share with you guys where I talk about the Batman. So here it goes. I'm reading from the book. Batman is disciplined because he remembers what he wants every day. He wants to honor his parents' memory by making sure criminals are stopped. And he wants to instill fear in them as he does it. Batman trained himself to peak physical and mental conditioning. Let me repeat that. Batman trained himself. Remember, the Dark Knight has no superpowers. He went to all the schools, followed all the courses, underwent all the physical punishment, took all the trips around the world, did all the push-ups, suffered all the sleepless nights, got all the bruises, ate all the right foods, implemented all the schedules and workouts, paid all the experts, ordered all the materials, commissioned the construction of all his gadgets and vehicles, read all the books, sought all the mentors, worked all the hours, calculated all the probabilities, covered all the bases, and took all the precautions to make himself into the most feared and admired superhero on the planet. I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. It's one of my favorite parts of the book when I talk about the discipline of the Batman. So if you're interested in getting the book, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and uh, most uh, online stores and wherever it's, it's, wherever it's, they sell wherever books. Wherever books are sold, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Batman is great. He's one of my, my favorite superheroes. But I want to get back to John Maxwell because I love John Maxwell and I found this really great clip that he talks about self-discipline. And I thought this was so good, and this is pure gold, and I wanted to share it with you. So, listen. Listen to this clip. You see, discipline is a result of having a reason to be disciplined. And when you don't have a reason to be disciplined, if you're just being disciplined for discipline's sake, you're never going to achieve and do and stick with and complete and finish the task that's before you. And so when a person finds their purpose, almost immediately with them, they find discipline to fulfill that purpose. And if you have no purpose, I promise you, you will lack the discipline. So when people say, well, you need to really stick with it, you need to be disciplined, I always say, let me ask you a question. Do you know what your purpose is? Because it's the purpose that puts steel in the backbone of discipline. Okay, so we're back. Uh, that was a great clip by John Maxwell on self-discipline, the importance of it, and how it links into our purpose. But in an episode where we talk about the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, we now would like to talk a little bit about regret, the pain of regret. And obviously those of uh, those among the people who decide not to engage 
in self-discipline not to make it to bite the bullet and say okay we're gonna we're gonna do i'm gonna do this i'm gonna self-discipline my life well they're gonna have they're basically choosing by default the pain of regret and there's an interesting compilation we found uh, by coaches and nurses where they recorded the 10 most common regrets and why do we say nurses well it's interesting because the nurses uh, what they contributed to this study is the regrets they hear from patients who are at the end of their lives, okay? Like, let's say, at the 10 or 12 weeks at the end of their lives, the confessions mm -hmm. they give to those nurses as they talk to them. So a lot of nurses have a lot of insight about what people regret the most at the end of their lives. So we have the 10 here, and we're going to share them with you, okay? I'm just going to go down that list. I think it's fascinating what people think of on their deathbeds. Number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number, true, number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. That's, there's a, reminds me of a quote, uh, Said, that says, uh, nobody on their deathbed will say, I wish I could spend one more day at the office. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I can see a lot of men die with that type of regret. There's like, you know, these strong, silent types who don't talk much? Uh, th that could be something that they die with uh, stuck in themselves. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Yeah, life gets busy, huh? Life gets busy, and sometimes we lose touch with the people that matter in our lives. Number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. Now, isn't that a sad one? That's it's really, really sad. It's really sad when you think about that. Number six, I wish I spent more time with the ones I care about and less time on social media. <laughs> so, I, we can assume that, that maybe this one is, is for people who, who die at a young age. Maybe people who, I don't know, they get hit by a car and find themselves in a hospital. They're 35, 40. Because I, I, I have a hard time seeing an 85-year-old granny say that. I don't know. But that's, that's, that's out there. I wish I had spent more time with the ones I care than on social media. Number seven, I wish I cared more about those who cared for me. Wow, that, that reaches deep too. You know, when you think about the people who care for you, the people who are there for you. Life gets busy. Sometimes we, you know, you keep telling yourself, and sometimes I'm, I'm at fault with this, you know, I should, I should call so-and-so. I should call so-and-so, I should call so-and-so. I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I should call so-and-so. And then you don't do it, and you don't do it, and you... And then at the end of your life, you look back, you're like, man, I wish I had spent more time with people I cared about, who cared about me. Number eight, I wish I was more present with my kids when they needed me the most. Entrepreneurs have busy lives, huh? And we did some podcasts about that where we mentioned the importance on not letting your business destroy your relationships, right? Whether it's with your spouse or with your children. Don't keep, keep your priorities in order, right? God, family, business, in that order. 
Number nine, I wish I had listened to my gut more. Wow, I like that one. I like that one. Too often we listen to our fears and we don't listen to our gut. That inner voice that, that tells us That inner voice that tells us where to go, thing. what to do, who to talk to. You know that little five second rule Mel Robbins called it. That 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 idea that you get one every once in a while. And it takes only five seconds for your brain to go in overdrive and go like, Well, you can't do this. That's too dangerous. What are they gonna think? You can't you you don't have the experience for that. How are you going to do it? How are you going to pull it off? You know, all these yeah. voices. And, you know, there's um, oftentimes, you know, Christians will pray for God to give them answers, for God to show them. And when he does tell them what to do, just because it's not obvious to them, it's not like... I didn't read it in the Bible, you know, black and white. Or, it didn't pop out of my face. Uh, I didn't hear, said the Lord, do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's like this inner voice that's speaking to you and telling you what you should do, which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And you're like finding all these fears to drown them out and all these excuses that you're telling him that you can't do it. So he's answering you. He's trying to help you and to, to taking action. And, you know... I started being really, really um, sensitive to that, to listening to, to God's voice and different little things that I was um, hearing. And it started getting stronger and I started hearing it stronger. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes it was to add value to somebody uh, through social media. Sometimes it was to contact a certain person, yes. say a certain thing. Or, um, you know, I'd listen to a video and I'd, I'd see a certain image of a person that was on my Facebook that I had to send it to. And every time I was really obedient and listening to that little voice, I always had amazing feedback. Yeah. It was always like, oh, thank you. You have no idea how much I needed this today. Yeah. So it was God's voice using me as an instrument to, to guide these little words of affirmations, these little confirmations, these little things yeah. that were gonna uplift people and give them what they needed and I didn't know like I didn't know why this was important for that certain person yeah. you know but I just was obedient to it and it, it it blessed them in return so I mean a lot of you have this inner voice is so all of you are supposed to have it if you're a Christian right the Holy Spirit is inside of you but if you're not listening if you're not in tuned to paying attention and being obedient He's going to be quiet. Yeah. If you're not obedient and doing what he's asking you to do, he's just going to be quiet. And and that voice of God, oftentimes for, for Christians who are not attuned to it, it's a gentle whisper. Mm -hmm. And we often mistake it for our own inner thoughts. Right. And that's the mistake we make. We think, what did I just think that? Or... Uh, I'm I'm just silly. Why am I Why am I thinking about that? Or that's that makes no sense. Because the five second rule happens really fast. Like it, as soon as you have that that thought to do something kind of out of the ordinary, and it's a good idea, and you and know it, it's a good idea. Yeah. And but it, but then then right away, five seconds. That's all it takes. Your brain starts finding all kinds of excuses. Well, I say your brain, but it could be the other guy. It could yeah. be the other guy who starts to filling you. your mind with thoughts of non-action. See, the, the thoughts of God are a silent, gentle push, a whisper uh, that, that just kind of makes sense, connects, and it really inspires you. 
But then the voice of the enemy comes and drowns it out with, we can't do that. That makes no sense. What is he going to think if you contact him after all these years or if you do that or if you, mm-hmm. right? Whatever, whatever it is you need to do. Very interesting uh, little uh, parenthesis you did there, Liz, about hearing the voice of God in those situations. Yeah, and you know, I've noticed that sometimes like if I um, tend to not ignore it, but I don't, I don't act upon it right away, like it'll come back and... Uh, Usually by that point, like now I've been, I've been um, better at acting quickly, right? Like now I know how to recognize it, so I'll act quickly. But at first I was kind of doubting myself, you know, and, and so when it would happen at the second time, then I would say, okay, it must be important if it keeps on coming back, right? And then I'd act upon it. And then when you see the fruit of it and you hear about it and you get confirmations from other people and depending on what what it is it might be a a strategy in your business of something that you never thought of or never saw before and and you know it comes back to you a second time you and you're like you know what i'm gonna do this 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 must be important it must be god guiding me and you do it and you see the fruit of it then you're going to be more obviously in tune to to recognizing that low voice yeah and most of our failures come from not heeding that little gentle whisper in that voice and just like dismissing it as your own inner thoughts or whatever else and not acting and implementing it right most of our failures come from that okay number 10 of the 10 most common regrets as recorded by nurses and coaches i wish i had followed my passion isn't that basic and isn't that what we teach here at thriving on purpose we we, we try to teach you guys weekly to follow your passion to follow the thing that you're most gifted at and that you most love because that's where you're going to yield the best results in your life and um to add to this i was reading another article and they were talking about um they were saying that 76 percent of people actually have the pain of regret of what they wish they had become so most people you know, near the end of their life, look at what they could have been mm. if they had done a certain thing, made a certain decision, yeah. uh, applied certain disciplines, and it, they know deep inside that it would have changed their mm. lives to become better, to become exactly what they wanted to become, and it would have given them the harvest they wanted. And a lot of people have those regrets because, you know, they did the sensible thing. They stayed in the sensible job. They did that thing that they didn't really like because, you know, I did it for my family. I did it for this. I did it for that. And and in reality, it's all our perception, right? Yeah. Um, most of the time, you know, when they say it's for my family, well, your family wouldn't have, you know, disowned you and hated you if you decide to make a, another decision that would better their lives in the end, even if it would demand a little bit of a roller coaster at first, or a bit of you know changes that were abrupt and and you know some some different um, modifications in your lifestyle to end up having uh, a better outcome and for you to be happier. Yeah. I think everybody in your family would want you to be happy. Exactly. And when you thrive, well, guess what? You know, it affects everybody in your family. Everybody's happier. Kids are happier. And your bank account looks better too. Well, there's there's a saying there's a saying you guys use in in the United States a lot. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So uh, I think that goes for mompreneurs out there. If, if there's a dream to start a business and you're like you're stuck in that nine to five job, 
and you reason it away, say, I'm doing it for my family, are you really doing it for your family? If you get home and you're never happy, if you're depressed 75% of the time, what are you really doing for your family? That's something you gotta think about. Like, yeah, maybe initially you'll take a cut and pay. Let's just say that. Let's 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 suppose that if you leave that cushy nine to five job, you take a cut and pay the first year. But what about that second year? What about that third year? You might make more. You might double your income. Who knows? Because you might finally be doing something that you're fully passionate about. Working in your strengths and your mindset changes. You work on your mindset. Then all of a sudden you have belief, and with belief, then you you work you know you excel in what you're supposed to do and the money follows as well yeah exactly and and, and this week um, we're going to do something special as we reach the end of this podcast we don't do that very often but we're going to do it this week uh, we're going to leave you guys with a, a clip a compilation uh, of great, great speakers and teachers who talk about self-discipline because guess what after, after these 40 minutes or so that we've been talking about self-discipline, pain of self-discipline, pain of regret, what we want you guys to do is obviously choose the pain of discipline. We don't want you to choose the pain of regret. We're actually trying to get you because that's the pain we, we live in by default. So if we don't choose the pain of discipline, we've already made a choice. We chose the other pain. The pain of discipline, uh, Bob Heilig, a great coach uh, we listen to regularly, said this. Uh, he said... Uh, the pain of discipline might last four years. The pain of regret lasts a lifetime. And Jim Rohn said that the pain of discipline weighs ounces and the pain of regret weighs tons. And that's so true. What we carry to our grave is the pain of regret if we didn't engage in the pain of self-discipline. And that weighs tons on our hearts so it's very difficult. And we hope that if you are, uh, if you had chosen the pain of regret by default, we hope that this episode would encourage you to reconsider and to choose a life of discipline instead and to make that sacrifice, that sacrifice using those three currencies we spoke about. So we're going to leave you with that clip. Liz, anything you want to add before we leave them with that wonderful clip? Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, you can do that uh, from wherever you're listening to, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, where, everywhere. And uh, you can also get your free resources at thrivingonpurpose.com. So we love you and leave you. Be blessed. And thrive on. What you want to be tomorrow, you've got to do today. I've never met a person who was not successful that didn't have a great amount of self-discipline within their life. Uh, self-discipline and being able to perform and being able to keep your life on schedule and being able to keep commitments and promises and meet deadlines is essential to success. Well, I think the one thing that discipline definitely does help you with is it helps you get things done. And when you get things done, when you, you, you actually do things, you, 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 you have more success. I have freedom because I have discipline. I have, I have you know, financial freedom because I have financial discipline. I have more time. I have more time because I have the discipline to get up in the morning, you know, mm. before most normal people get up. 
And I think normally when we talk about the word discipline, we usually probably think about eating and exercise. And those are important areas, but discipline affects every single solitary area of our lives. We have to discipline our mouths. We have to discipline our thoughts. We have to discipline what we do with our money. We have to discipline ourselves concerning entertainment. Every area of our life requires discipline and self-control. Now, I often tell people, too, fix the things you repeat every day, because people tend to think of those as trivial, right? You get up, you brush your teeth, you, you have your breakfast, you know, you, you have your routines that you go through every day. Well, those, those probably constitute 50% of your life. And people think, well, they're mundane, I don't need to pay attention to them. It's like, no, no, that's exactly wrong. The things you do every day, those are the most important things you do, hands down. All you have to do is do the arithmetic. In areas of choice, you need to work on your weaknesses. For example, mm. let's say I let's say I am I'm lazy. That's an area of choice. That's mm. I mean I I'm not naturally lazy. I'm just lazy. It's mm -hmm. a choice. So I, I need to work on that because I mm. in areas of choices, you can make vast improvement and you can make fast improvement. So I, I think, for example, a person can maybe increase their giftedness skill set maybe two numbers. Wow. So if I'm a if I'm a little bit above average, I'm a six. If I really work hard, I can get, become an eight. But but an eight is is powerful. Yeah. Eight has a huge return. So what I tell people is in in areas of giftedness, that's where you have to work on your strengths. If if I'm a two in something, I'm very weak in a skill. If I worked hard, I could only become a four. I'd still be below so average. Yeah, yeah, and that's so what I tell yeah. people is, you got to ask yourself, is it going to give me the return? So, in the area of strengths, you got to pour yourself into the things that you're already good at because that'll really set you apart from average. Yeah. But in areas of choices, go for those weaknesses because you're not. Don't you know people that are highly skilled, but they have a lousy attitude, or they're not oh. self. They're not self-disciplined. The and they're never going. They're never going. They're never going to get anywhere. And they're not going to get anywhere because they didn't. So. In areas of choices, work on your weaknesses, but in areas of strengths and skills, just work on your strength. See, that's what it's all about. It's about being committed inside of here. Not when the lights are on, not when the crowd is cheering, but what do we do when no one's watching? That's a lifestyle. That's not an event. For more free resources and content, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 